Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message, and we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1030. We're located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After listening to this message, take a moment to browse our website for current and upcoming events. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And really what we've been studying is the first couple of months or the first few months of the, of the first century church. And, and many people feel that by the time we get to Acts 8... We're actually two years into the church. We don't know, know exactly the, the time frame. Certain times we can say this is the exact day and time this happens. Other times it's kind of, kind of vague exactly about when the date is. And we're about two years into the church, we think. But you remember last week, if you were here, we talked about the, that there was a problem in the church. And, uh, and it wasn't a problem that, that everybody freaked out about, but it was a problem of, hey, there's some people who are not being taken care of. And instead of the disciples running around and, and trying to take care of it all, they decided, well, we need to appoint some new leadership here to, to take care of these small things so, uh, so we can do what we're supposed to be doing, which was studying and teaching and praying and so forth. So what we see is the leadership emerge in the church and one of those young men was a, was, a, uh, was a man named Stephen. And the Holy Spirit you just anoints him in the ministry that, that he has is very powerful. And he goes from waiting on tables, literally delivering food to, to the older generation, uh, the widows that uh, were part of their church, to a point where he's out just ministering like unbelievable. And people are responding to him. So, so the leadership of the Jewish church gets upset. And a group comes together and lies about him in a court of law and he ends up being stoned to death and there's three important things that happen at this point first of all he's able to teach about the prophets and, and jesus to the sanhedrin to the leadership of the church at that point to the you know 71 most powerful men in israel then secondly in the face of the attack he, he looks up to heaven and he actually sees jesus and he asked God to forgive them. And that leads to the third thing is when they stone him to death, you know, another young man is standing there. And this young man's name is Saul. And we're going to talk a little bit about him today and so forth. And, uh, you know, but, but this is kind of where we begin. Stephen, and Stephen is in the middle of being stoned to death. And it says here that uh, in, in, it says here in, in chapter 8, And Saul was there giving approval to his death. And it's really amazing what Stephen does here. He's being stoned to death and he's interceding for these guys. And we're going to, you know, we kind of read about that last week where he looks up in heaven and he says, Lord, forgive them. He asked God to forgive him, uh, forgive them. And this is not normal. This is not normal by, by any means. Who is he acting like? He's acting like Jesus himself. Which is a, kind of interesting to me. You know, some of the crowd were, were, you know, probably witnessed Jesus being on the cross and, you know, saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And here Stephen is saying the same things and acting the same way. It's got to be really weird for the guy picking up the big stone. And we think, oh, little rocks, you know, they're stoning him to death. Let me pick it. No, they, they pick up big stones. And most of the time it's like volcanic rock. There's a lot of volcanic rock over in Israel. It's, it kind of surprises you when you get over there because you don't think of Israel and volcanoes. But there's all sorts of volcanic rock there. And they pick up these rocks. It's got to be really weird for the guy picking up the rock, fixing to throw it down at Stephen's head. 
And here in Stephen says, Father, forgive them. See that guy right there with the stone? He's fixing to throw it at me. Forgive that guy. It's got to be so weird. Such a, a powerful, you know, application for those that are throwing the rocks at them. Now, does anybody relate to this at all? Now, it may not be a physical rock being thrown at you, but it may be something that's totally unfair. It may be something totally, you're just sitting there going, okay, they've misinterpreted this, and all of a sudden it's being thrown right at me, and I don't understand what's going on here. And yet, the, you know, the Spirit of God, what an you know, incredible challenge to us. Now, this guy, Stephen, he totally challenges us. And we have hindsight. You know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? We look back and go, oh, well, yeah, of course. Well, God did this and this, and, and this was the result. And we totally understand it now. But I'm not sure that they understood. It's not like they, they went to dinner that night and said, well, that was the stoning of Stephen. I mean, we kind of read it and go, well, that's the stoning of Stephen. That was the story. But it's not like they went to dinner and said that. Not like they said, okay, now let's just move on to chapter 8. Hmm. This is a three-dimensional story. These are real people. And when you are in chapter 7 of your life, and, and you're in the middle of that, people accusing you, and, and they're fixing to stone you, you're not sure if you're going to make it to chapter 8. And for Stephen, he didn't. But it was the beginning for someone named Saul. See, hindsight 2020 says, I know why this happened. Because that young man named Saul was standing right there, and this is the beginning for him. But in the middle of it, you know, Jesus said he wanted them, he wanted them to go on to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Judea, and Samaria, and all of the other parts of the world. Well, right now, they're all huddled up where? They're all huddled up in Jerusalem. They've kind of stayed together, and Jesus told them to stay together. And here comes the part where, where they're just going to go all over the place. I mean, it was a rocking place. I mean, it's kind of crazy. 5,000 families and, and growing. The, you know, Christianity, the following of Jesus, you know, was, was in a sense the end thing at that point. And they're all like, man, I want to stay around Jerusalem. This is where everything is happening. And then you get to the stoning of Stephen. So the Holy Spirit allows this thing. Allows this to happen and to spread these guys out. And it's amazing how the Lord allows persecution to do His will. God is totally allowing this. And this is what we don't understand. This is what I don't understand sometimes. Some of the stuff that you're going through or that, that we've gone through, God is actually allowing to happen. And one day, hindsight will be 2020. One day hindsight will say, oh, well, this is why I went through this. But right now we look at it and say, I, I don't understand. I don't think I will ever understand. There's some things in my past that I look at and go, now I look at and go, oh, I can understand that. that. That makes total more sense. When I was a, you know, a, a pastor working for another senior pastor, he would make decisions and I would be like, why in the world is he making that decision? I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I, I think he's crazy. And now that I'm a senior pastor, I understand him a lot more and some decisions he made. He had a lot more information than the information I had. So I look back and go, oh, that's why. Now, that's not a situation that was very hurtful in a sense. But imagine, you know, going through a situation in your life where you're just being hurt and hurt and hurt. One day, 
Maybe the Lord will allow you to understand why that is happening. But He allows that. You're in good company. Jesus' best friends did not understand why all this was happening. You don't have to understand, uh, especially you don't have to understand the Lord, to trust in the Lord. You don't have to understand the Lord to obey the Lord. You know, when we don't understand is when we should say, God must be doing something right here and now, because I don't get it. So many of of Christ's followers at this point scatter. And by the end of chapter 8, we will see God's word fulfilled, because he will be in Ethiopia by the end of chapter 8. That's pretty far in that world. Nonetheless, there's a guy standing there named Saul. And this this action of Stephen has a dramatic impact on his life. You know, later on he confesses, you know, I did this. I was involved in, in stoning of Christians. I did this. I was the worst sinner possible. And I can't believe that God is using me now. And Saul is hearing the voice of Stephen right here and now. And he doesn't know it, but it's cutting into him. It's ingrained in him. And Gamaliel is is right there. And that's like the ultimate teacher in Israel. He's like the ultimate uh, uh, priest. He's the one that everybody looks to for answers. And he's sitting there going, man, they're acting like children. Saul's seeing this. They're gnashing their teeth along with all the others. And and then he saw, saw Stephen, supposedly the heretic. And he is calm. And he's even forgiving those in the middle of a stoning. I wonder if his eyes met Saul's eyes when he was down in that pit. I wonder if Stephen looked right at Saul when he said, Father, forgive them. You know, Saul is going to face the truth. And I don't think Saul would have been ready for the Damascus Road, which we'll talk about later, if it hadn't been for the stoning of Stephen. And it's not just Stephen. So let's read on and see what happens. But I I do want to point out that Luke uses the term that Stephen fell asleep. And the term asleep is a very peaceful term. It's uh, kind of... uh, I'm going to mess up the Greek words. You know, they just teach you to just say them and everybody assumes you know what you're talking about. But half the time I just slaughter them. But uh, koneomoi in the Greek means a peaceful sleep. It's a word for rest. And the root word of this is, is kamonotron. Uh, and, and, you know, this is what, the, what, this is what they did. Is they take, take the word in the Greek that, that is meant for a resting place or a hotel, and they start naming their cemeteries after that. A resting place. They're waiting until the time. It's a resting place until the time when the Lord comes and brings our bodies back to our spirits. But what, what Luke says here is that Saul was giving approval to his death, which is anaresis, is the word for murder. So Stephen fell asleep after he was brutally murdered. See, we, we look at it and go, oh, well, it was peaceful. It was, he just kind of, no, no, no. It was brutal, and then he fell asleep. And Saul is approving what is happening here. Or he might have even been standing there thinking, man, what a tragedy this is. This guy is so intelligent. This guy could do so much for the, for the Jewish church, yet he's turned to, to Jesus. I wonder if that's what he was thinking. Many different things he could have been thinking. 
What a tragedy. But Saul's sitting there judging him. It goes on, it says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered. And this is called the, the, the diaspora throughout Judea and, and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Now we, we read this and we think godly men buried Stephen and, and mourned for him. But this, this in, we're talking about Jews here. Jews actually went and they were very upset with the, with the, with the killing of Stephen. And, and we read this in, in the history um, that is not biblical history, but history is written at that time that, that it was actually Jewish men that, that took Stephen and buried him. There were rational people who, did, you know, who were not Christians, but who were saying, man, this is ridiculous. We should not be killing people over this. So they mourn and they bury a convicted criminal. Now what's interesting is this is totally against the law, to bury a convicted criminal. So they break the law in order to honor him. Verse 3, it goes on, it says, But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off the, the men and women and put them in prison. So Saul kind of goes crazy here. And, you know, he begins the strategic killing of Christians. And many in the, in the Sanhedrin, the leadership, are very happy about this. Because he becomes obsessed with Christians. Now, there's something that's kind of interesting about being obsessed with Christians in a negative way. Well, what is it? I believe that they're struggling with becoming one. The people that become obsessed with this, they would never admit it. You know, they would be like, hey man, you know that guy that, who just drug off your neighbor? I bet that one day he will become a Christian. In fact, he will become one of the greatest Christians ever to live. And you'd be like, yeah, right. Did you see how passionate he was about dragging those guys away and killing them? And that's the way Saul is right now. People would look at Saul and say, there's no way that he would ever come to Christ. I say, don't ever give up on praying for somebody to come to Christ. Even if they're the, your most ardent you know, person against what you believe. Never give up. Because a person like Saul teaches us that it is possible. You know, it's through all these trials that Saul saw the truth. When they were telling them, you know what? You Christian, you little follower of Christ, you little Christ, and it was a negative term. See that pole right over there? We're going to tie you to that pole, and we're going to beat you unless, you unless you turn from your ways, unless you confess that this is all just, just fakery. And they would be like, no, I can't, I can't do that. I cannot give up on my faith. And Saul, person after person, he got to see the truth. Go ahead. I can't recant from my beliefs. You can do whatever you want for me, but while I'm here, let me tell you about Jesus. And he got to hear one story after another story. And he's kind of almost being softened up. He's being pummeled. He's being, you know, pounded. He's being bombed. But, you know, by what? The truth. Now, I want to talk to you about those that are being pounded by a Christian hater. Some of you have people right now that cannot stand you. In fact, I would even use the word hate, which is such a strong word, just because of your beliefs in Jesus Christ. And you're getting tired of it. But you know what? They may be several verses away from becoming a Christian. Keep praying for them. Don't give up. The reason they're acting this way is because you remind them of Jesus. 
Keep reminding them of Jesus by your actions. Intercede for them. These, you know, these people are responsible for the conversion of Saul. When Jesus speaks to Saul in <clears throat> Acts chapter 9, he will say, Why do you persecute me? And who is he persecuting? All those people that he's dragging out of the homes, that he's literally stoning to death. That's who he's persecuting, persecuting Jesus Christ himself. And he'll put it all together and he becomes a Christian. I say, talk about Jesus even more. Turn up the heat. They may be right on that edge. So therefore, in verse 4, it goes on and says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples uh, were healed. So there was great joy in the city. So now you have another one of the deacons. I mean, Stephen the deacon you know, was already killed, and, and Philip the deacon is now in Samaria. Now this is an interesting point because the disciples always went in twos. In fact, it's, it's something that Jesus said. He said, go out you know, in twos. But it's interesting. Philip here goes out by himself. And I kind of connected, and, and I, I'm not for sure here, uh, but myself, and, and not that I'm putting myself in, in the scholar's point of view, but many scholars believe that literally that Stephen might have been Philip's partner when they went out two by two. And now Stephen is dead and gone. So Philip just, just heads out to Samaria. Jesus said that there would be, you know, that they would be witnesses in Samaria. So Philip goes there and a revival starts. And, and remember, this starts out with Philip <coughs> literally waiting on tables. It starts out with Philip just going, hey, I, I, can, I can serve the, the older women of the church. I, I can take care of them. I can do these things. And the Lord just totally anoints his ministry. And Jesus has really prepped the Sumerians by going there often, much to the dismay of the, of the disciples. And we kind of talked about that in the past. There was an extreme prejudice you know, between the Jews and Sumerians that dated back hundreds of years. The Samaritans started out when the Assyrians, back in 722 B.C., came in and they took away the cream of the crop and they took away the, those that were, were you know, the, the, the upper echelon, in a sense, of the people. And they left a few people there. And what they did was they would move you know, people from another country that, that they conquered over to that area. So these people intermarried and they started the, the, the nation of Samaria. And the Jews looked down upon them. And it eventually returned to Jerusalem when, when Cyrus let them go. Think about the book of Esther and stuff, you know, around that time in the you know, first chapter of Daniel when, when King Cyrus allowed the Jews to go back to, to rebuild the homeland. The problem was the Samaritans are now living in that land, just like the current problem with the, the Palestinians and the Jews of today. This issue of land has always been happening in this area. So what happens is the Samaritans actually offer to help rebuild the walls, the walls of Jerusalem for protection. And because they were half Jewish, they weren't allowed to help. And this issue, you know, you know kind of began the whole uh, Hatfields and the McCoy thing, you know, if you, for those that, that love American history. Okay, no one connected with that at all, I could tell. 
But this prejudice came right into the church. And even though Jesus talked to the woman at the well in the Samaritan village, even though Jesus, you know, it was very clear that, that she could have salvation if she wanted it, even though Jesus talked about the good Samaritan, who is very clear on this issue, and Philip follows his example. And he goes on to verse 9, it says, Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. He kind of has a demonic power here. And all the, you know, and all the people, both high and low, gave him, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man has a divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he, was, because he had amazed them for such a long time with his magic. He had a great thing going here. I mean, no one else could kind of come in on his thing. He, he had this power that, that people just automatically followed. It says in verse 12, But when they, <coughs> when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. And here we see the difference between the, the two ministries. His ministry was what? All about me. I'm the greatest. I got this power. Follow me. And here Philip's ministry is what? Follow Jesus Christ. It's not about me. Follow me as I follow Christ, as, as Paul says later on. It's not about the man. It's about Jesus. He's not saying, I am the greatest. But Simon is. Simon himself, in verse 13, believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and the miracles he saw. And the crowd starts to, to follow Philip around also. So Simon decides, man, I need to join up with this guy. Although it kind of looks like, if you keep reading, it doesn't look like he truly believed. Verse 14, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. So they hear what, what's happening, and they're saying, we've got to find this out for ourselves, because you know Samaria. You know Samaritans. You know, that, that attitude is still there. What's interesting here, I realized something this week. We're probably two years into the church. And for those that, that, that are kind of hung up on the whole Peter thing and, and being the first pope and stuff, you got to realize something. They just ordered Peter around. It wasn't like Peter was sitting there going, you need to do this, you need to do that, you know, like I'm the one in control. No, they, they ordered Peter and, and John to, to, to go down to Samaria. They're kind of all in leadership together. So they head off to Samaria. In verse 15, it goes on, it says, When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, this is interesting for those who are believers and haven't experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, they kind of just skip right over this passage here because, you know, what is happening here is that you have people who were believed and who have been baptized. It's more of an intellectual experience here. But they haven't experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are whole denominations who try to put the power of the Holy Spirit into the box. This is how the power of the Holy Spirit works. And it's very irritating to God. It's also very irritating to, to us as Christians. Because this is the third time the Holy Spirit has anointed the Christians. And each time He's done it, it's been very different. Remember Acts 2. The Holy Spirit falls on them. What happens? you got, you know, it's called the tongues and, and wind and fire and, and disciples are speaking in other languages. Then in Acts 4, the Holy Spirit falls on them. It was like an earthquake and they all prophesied. 
Now here, the Holy Spirit, you know, comes on them and nothing happens. How confusing for us who like to put God in a box. This is how God works. Every time we do this, God responds in this way. It's not always like that. And it kind of becomes confusing for us. Lord, how are people baptized into the Holy Spirit? Well, there's multiple ways that it happens. Nevertheless, these disciples identify these Christians have no power yet. And these guys don't even know it. Some of, you know, some of us have had incredible powers of conversion. You know, you go, how did you become a Christian? And you're sitting there going, wow, that's not my story. I one day realized that the God died for me and I accepted Christ at that point. Just dramatic. Your story just kind of blows me completely out of the water. It's not wrong. It's not sinful. These guys are still going to go to heaven. They just haven't experienced the Holy Spirit in this way. When we accept the Lord, how does the Holy Spirit, you know, what happens? The Holy Spirit fills our heart, our very being. And then sometimes the Holy Spirit comes upon us in a whole other way, and it is so powerful. And you walk around not quite knowing what has happened. Here you have Peter and John going, hey, let's, let's lay hands on these guys and see what's happening. This is like parenting. You know what parenting is? It's a great experiment, isn't it? I love experimenting with my son. Hey, let's feed him this. Let's see how he reacts. I wonder if the Holy Spirit is going, man... Let's give him a little bit of the Holy, a little bit of power. Let's see how he acts. Verse eighteen it says, "When Simon saw the, that the Spirit was uh, was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, "Give me this. Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit." Peter's just going to totally rock this guy. I mean, this is why Peter's called Rocky. But Peter's just going to nail this guy. This guy is going right back to his old ways, isn't he? He wants to make money off of this. So Peter just totally nips it in the bud. For this guy, you know, it's all about power, and that's completely it. How about wanting Jesus? How about wanting a relationship? But he just wants the go-go juice. He just wants the, the power of it all. Verse 20 goes on and says, Peter answered, May your mouth, or may your mouth, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. See, this guy wants what Jesus gave us through his death, burial, and resurrection. And he wants to pay for it. This is so insulting to Peter. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps He will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Well, the Lord has given Peter the ability to look directly into this guy's heart. And the reason... He's saying the reason why you don't like this is because you just don't get it. And the reason you don't get it is because you think it's about the power. You may have joined up and dipped yourself in, in water, but you're really not one of us yet. You didn't, you, know, you didn't totally understand what you were doing. 
And the word wickedness here is the word poinonia, which means you continue to do what is wrong even though you know what is right. It means not wanting to be changed, just wanting to be blessed. And that's what this guy wanted. You see, if we want the Holy Spirit, we have to be reminded He is holy. Therefore, we have to change ourselves. and We have to be changed by Him. In order to worship Him and to be a part of His body, we need to be continually changing toward Him or into Him. And He's saying, what you're doing here is wicked. And we don't use this word wicked anymore, do we? You know, it's not like... A, the newscasters come on and, and say, well, we got some wicked news for you tonight. The first three stories are just terrible and it, and it, it involves evilness and wickedness. Now, we look at the news and see the first three stories, what it's all about. It's about death or shooting or robbery or even worse. And what do we look, we look at that and say, well, that's wicked. But the world doesn't look at that and say that's wickedness. We don't use it enough. We read the stories in the newspaper, and, and if you read the newspaper, what are the stories all about? Wickedness. The church comes into Samaria and says, I see wickedness. The reason our, you know, our company is not prospering is because we're fudging on our taxes. I see wickedness. The reason why our families is not being blessed is because we're allowing wickedness within the family. The reason my life is, is not being blessed is because I haven't done the last thing that Jesus has asked me to do. But I don't know why I don't feel His presence anymore. This is what Jesus is saying to this guy. I really appreciate your tithe check, but keep it. We don't want your money. You know, we're, we're on a downhill slide in America because the church is allowing these things. The church is not trying to stop the wickedness. We have to get on our knees and start to, to start praying and start to, to pray for, for each other. And then ask the one thing that I can do personally to fight wickedness. And the Lord may say, well, take this part of your life and change it. Or the Lord may say, go tell this person. Now, don't ever go and tell a person unless the Lord has told you to go do that. Because then you get into all sorts of trouble. Then we're like, well, the Lord told me. And our attitude comes into it. But I love what, what Peter says here. He says, you know what, guy? You are full of wickedness and captive to sin. You know, this could have been said of this guy the week before. Because of what the bitterness... You know, this is what bitterness does. Bitterness is a poison. And sin is a bondage and addiction. Peter says that until you get this straightened out by the blood of Jesus Christ, you're not one of us. You are still captive. Verse 24 says, Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Now, if this is a repentance of this guy, it's a pretty, pretty weak one. We don't really know what happens. We don't know if he really you know, is a believer or not. We're just kind of left right there. But verse 25 says, When they testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now this is amazing. These guys have changed so much. Just a couple of years ago, do you remember what happened? 
John, the, the son of thunder. John's the guy that, that comes in and the, you know, in and everybody knows he's in the room because you're just like, who is that? Oh, it's John. Oh man, I wish he'd tone it down a little bit. He's just so loud. I mean, this is the guy's, he's very boisterous, but, but this guy, do you remember what happened, at, you know, with John outside of Samaritan village? I even, I even wonder, I wonder if he went to the same village along his path on going back to Jerusalem. They go into the village and, and they preach the, the, you know, grace and truth of Christ. And Peter looks at John and, and says, do you remember what happened last time you were in this village, John? And John is just like, oh, just be quiet. And Peter says, no, 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 remind me, what did you say? Well, this, this village rejected Christ when, when he was alive and, you know, wouldn't give us food or a place to sleep. And, you know, that was a big insult for them back then. So I pulled Christ aside as we were leaving and I said, Lord, would you like me to call down fire from heaven on this village? Let's just nuke them right here, Lord. That'll teach them. I wonder if he remembered that as he was going through these villages preaching about Christ. Do you remember what Jesus said to him? You don't know the manner of the spirit that you are of. The Son of Man did not come to destroy, but to seek and save the lost. You know, isn't it fun when Jesus sends us right back into the same environment to help save them now? He takes you out of an environment, changes you completely, and then says, now I want you to go right back in there. And the Samaritans now are believers. The Holy Spirit is amazing to allow John to minister to those he wanted to destroy not two years before. In fact, this is the last mention of John in, in the book of Acts completely. This is it. Here he, <coughs> he just kind of leaves us. But it's interesting because he is becoming the disciple of love. The Lord is totally breaking down his prejudice here to the become, you know, one of the guy who says... In his book, 1 John, who says something like, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. What a beautiful paragraph. And it's even more beautiful when we actually live this out in our daily lives. This is coming from the guy who wanted to call down fire from heaven on a whole village. Now, what is a village size? I don't know, anywhere from 20 to 30 to 50, maybe 100 people at that time. And now he's in that village anointed by the Holy Spirit And he goes on to live out the life of the disciple of love. And this is so encouraging for us. Because some of us were in the same boat as him. We're the son of thunder. 
And we need the Holy Spirit to come in and change who we are. To come in and change us into the disciple of love. Now, John still has his boisterous personality. He didn't change him completely where you just don't even recognize the guy like, well, that was him? Maybe he does that sometimes. But he still allows him to keep his personality. He just changes it to a point where it represents Christ in such a great way. And he has an impact on a wicked world. See, the world is in pain and it needs Jesus. Will you be the one to bring Jesus into the wicked world? Will you be that one? Let's pray. Lord, you're calling so many of us to to change our ways to become more like you. I pray that you point out those things in our own lives that we look at and say, that's not of God. Just like you pointed out to John when he wanted to bring down the fire from heaven, that, that's, that's not of me, John. That's not what God would want to do. It's not what I would want to do. And I pray that you help us change our lives to a point where we start to recognize the things that you would want us to do in our own life. In the middle of situations where we don't understand, in the middle of situations where we're just, oh, just so aggravated because of it. Yet you can change us right then and there to be the disciple of love, to change our reactions. And I pray, Lord, that we start to represent you on a daily basis in this world, that we become the disciple of love. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may He change your attitudes and our actions to represent Him in this world that needs us so desperately. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.